The following podcast may contain adult language. Chris and Sam give a damn. Welcome to Chris and Sam give a damn. I'm Samuel Pastewami. I'm Chris Pastewami. And we are Chris and Sam. And we do give a damn. And before we get too much further into this first episode, I guess you need to know a little bit more about us. Why don't you tell them a little about us, Chris? Well, um, we are a married couple. We're living in uh, the Midwest. Uh, we're both men. I know we ha- both have androgynous names, so just so you know that <laughs> for sure. Um, and um, we live here with our with our dog Molly. Um, she's a little uh, terrier mix, and uh, we love her to death. Molly's a rescue dog, and we've had her for a couple of years. We've been. Uh, married uh, approximately five years, we, and we've known each other for six. Um, the reason why we're telling you that, we just kind of want to let you know where we're coming at the world from. Um, and this is kind of about that. We're not always going to agree on everything, um, but we probably will talk about our dog quite a bit. We really love Molly, and uh, she kind of seeps into almost every conversation. Yeah, we talk about our dog as if she's our little baby and so does so many so do so many other people so hey it's just gonna happen sometimes right we're definitely dog people so you may be wondering you know what's gonna uh, happen on this podcast this is basically just a conversation with you about you know where what we see in the world what we give a damn about whether it be movies or music or trivia or politics or uh, I don't think we're going to cover much sports. Um, maybe classical art, but that'd be kind of hard over podcasting, so yeah. never mind. Well, basically whatever we get riled up about, whatever we give a damn about, and there's some things that are going to be consistent always, like movies and music, um, and then we'll have special topics, and, and who knows? And, and I want this to be a real conversation with we- our listeners. Yeah, exactly. We want to have fun doing this, number one. And number two, we do want to have a conversation with whoever wants to listen and whoever um, we can spark their interest, you know, with what we choose to talk about and uh, try to engage everybody out there with. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm looking forward to uh, this expanding and uh, we look forward to bringing you this podcast every month. Uh, One thing you should know about us, we try to cut the cord wherever possible um, we did cable for a long time and just hated the service. And, um, you know, other satellite companies were better. Don't want to bash anybody in particular, but it just got expensive. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel that sometimes when you have to seek out your entertainment, um, I don't know, it's a little more personal. Instead of being bombarded, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to choose from a bunch of crap, so I choose Leprechaun 4. <laughs> um, you know, if you choose Leprechaun 4, you do it because you want to. Right, exactly. That may happen. It, it could happen. But uh, um, I don't know. You you always are sort of aware you can find anything on the Internet or with different streaming services. So, I mean, cutting the cord is kind of a no-brainer after bad customer service and bad reception and, you know, bills that don't make sense. So, yep. Well, I think it's also um, kind of a snapshot of, of where, how entertainment will be dispersed in the future. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen the waves from the ownership of, of DVDs and Blu-rays to more digital content. Um, so uh, now even programming that's, you know, your ABC News programming will not necessarily be watched um, via your antennae or <laughs> or cable in this case. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't argue with that. All right. Sorry. Yep. All right. <laughs> that's our rambling opening. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Well, who for the knows opening. what the future of the entertainment slash news industry will be? Yeah. I mean, that's just really anyone's guess, although it's being shaped every day now. But, you know, who knows who's going to come out on top at the end? It came from our collection. It's time for It Came From Our Collection. Uh, this is a chance for us to actually use some of the uh, DVDs and Blu-rays that we have in the Pace Tuami collection. Mm-hmm. Yep, we sorely need to use them. We don't ever get them out. Yeah, we just kind of noticed in the last year or two that we don't necessarily go to the collection very often. It's always on Netflix or um, and some other streaming service that we're watching our content. Uh, but this game was designed so that we can actually use um, and talk with you about... Um, a specific film from our collection. Mm-hmm. And here's how it works. Every month, um, one of us, we're going to take turns, uh, will choose six movies from our collection, three Blu-rays and three standard definition DVDs. The other person who didn't choose them will then, while blindfolded, um, actually select the choice, and that will be the movie that we'll talk about and uh, discuss that month. Yeah. So this first month, we wanted to kind of spice it up um, since, um, you know, this is our first go around at it. So we were actually blindfolded while we made the selection of the six, uh, the three Blu-rays and the three standard definition DVDs, uh, which this time included uh, Moonrise Kingdom, Clerks the Animated Series, Bong Water, Mozart and the Whale, and Elf, the movie Elf. Um, so out of those six choices, um, I let my husband, Christopher, be the one that selected them. And he, uh, while also not looking, um, selected what? Mozart and the Whale. I just have to say about those choices, I think there's only one Oscar winner in there. The rest of them are, you know, not. Right. <laughs> uh, some fun stuff, including, uh, oh, and I forgot Flight of the Navigator. That was our last one. Oh, that's for, a great one, though. For those of you counting at home, yes, it's... Um, uh, there was a sixth one, and, and I love Flight of the Navigator. Me too. Um, but Mozart and the Whale uh, from 2005 has one of my favorite actors, Josh Hartnett. Yeah, Josh Hartnett. <laughs> um, you know, uh, he's a favorite of my husband's. I don't really, I don't know, I wouldn't have said anything about him if, if, if I didn't know he was such a big fan. So um, it, he's sometimes he's good, sometimes he's... Okay, um, I, I really don't understand the whole Josh Hartnett thing. Well, I really, uh, you know, thought he was very attractive and good-looking when when I first saw him in college. When I saw Halloween H two O, and I love a good horror film, um, or uh, lots of horror films, not necessarily just good horror films, but I love the Halloween series. As you'll probably get to know about me, I really like horror pictures. But Josh, I've always thought he's very attractive, and he has some good range as an actor. And this is the film, I actually am the one that added this to the Pace Pwami collection before we were even married. And this film is one, I think, that really shows off uh, some of his range and 
what he can do as an actor. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I want to say a little bit about my perspective on this. I have no uh, film training or, or degree or anything like so you can feel free to throw my opinion away um, I just happen to be you know a, a real film fan um, and I have a lot of opinions on it so it's just any you know you don't have to have to feel any certain way about what I'm saying uh, but um, so, so the IMDB says that uh, the tagline for this film we'll turn the well from 2005 is a love story between two savants with Asperger's syndrome whose conditions sabotage their budding relationship. And when we res and refer to the spectrum, um, people with Asperger's and autism in general, which I believe Asperger's is an offshoot of? Yes. And I think it's, you know, it's a certain frame of mind that encompasses a lot of, of, of personalities and, and different little quirks and, and, you know, things that are just differences in how people think. And that's why, sure. And that's how, you know, now we, we try to think of it, um, as, as people with, well, with spectrum, different, differing personalities and, and ways right, of thinking. And the spectrum of them saying that there's lots of different types of, um, you know, how people interact and how functional they may be in a social say atmosphere. They make everyone a character. Everyone, everyone has, um, some complicating factors like some of them like they all do they all have a special talent or something like you see that right away it's kind right. of obnoxious that that's what doesn't make much sense i don't know if i think maybe the writer has maybe personal experience with maybe one person with autism or something that person must be a savant because everyone in the movie is has a special talent can do something crazy with music or with numbers well, and, and maybe some would argue that, that all of the group is higher functioning and that's why they all have their own things, whereas some people that weren't as high functioning might not have seeked out there. a group. or So I don't want to go too hard on it, but story-wise it gets kind of heavy very fast because each of these random people in the group, as you're introduced to them, has this you know very unique, sometimes zany-type talent. Um, definitely some of them are all off-kilter. Um but, you know, you get the idea that Josh Hartnett is the leader of this group. Um, even though he may not be the highest functioning there, he's kind of brought them all together. Yes. And, and that's where we meet her. Yes. And, of course, it's all sweet. You know, he's he's got this group for play, for people that don't have anywhere else to go to just hang out. They do, all can be accepted. Um, the guy from The People Under the Stairs is in it. The guy that's in the walls and his tongue is cut out. I don't know his name, but he's in it. So I thought that was cool. <laughs> well, um, I think uh, Rada Mitchell, who plays Isabel, I uh, hadn't seen her in in many films before this. And I think she, she does a very good job with a very complicated character. Uh, maybe sometimes the the writing makes her character a little less likable um and maybe for good reason i'm not you know disputing that i'm just saying her her character is very very complicated yes um she seems to be a little bit um you know in a stereotypical way higher functioning um than josh hartnett is josh hartnett gets bogged down in numbers very 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 easily um he does have a job that he does well at but uh then um, Rada Mitchell has a house and can do her own business. She um, cuts hair, but you know she seems to 
lead a very successful life otherwise and kind of have has fun so they meet and then you know you kind of expect them to fall in love but i think you know general spoiler they do fall in love in their own way but it seems kind of heavy-handed on her part uh i think in some ways josh hartnett's character's name is donald morton i feel like he's taken advantage of yeah, um, she sort of lays it out where they're going to be a couple and they're going to live in this house together, you know, new house, um, you know, basically everything that involves the American dream. And, you know, doesn't say they're getting married, but he, he pretty much thinks it's going that way. And then, you know, something small, fairly small will happen and, and they kind of split up for a while until she gets over it. She has to get over it for them to get back together. Well, what's interesting is that even though she is instigating a lot of that, you see Josh Hartnett's character, Donald, you see his his kind of internal process, and he's still very much along for the ride um, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes he, he divulges that this may be his only chance, the frustration that he may not have a chance to try and love someone because of his situation in society, which is... Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty heartfelt when when he ha- when someone has that realization, then they are, of course then hopefully they can get that fulfilled, and find that love that they need, um, and to not be able to do so because you can't express yourself in a certain way that's mm-hmm. that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. I mean, his character pretty much is uh, spotless in the movie. There's no uh, blame on him because he's good, isn't he? I, I don't know about good. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> give the man some credit. Um, I don't know. I, I think anyone can kind of just look blankly at a camera and oh, blink their eyes come and on. do numbers. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, Josh, if you're listening, which you, we definitely are not, um, yes. I think you did a very good job on that. Uh, I, I really liked Rada Mitchell in the movie, and I, and I, I don't know. I have, I have a thing. I'm sorry. It, but know, I, I, don't, I didn't enjoy him that much. She's definitely... Um, She's been taken advantage of in the past, but her character is definitely large and in charge in this movie. And um, it, it's interesting. And, you know, in supporting role also, we got to mention Gary Cole, who's uh, the dad in the Brady Bunch movies, the, yeah. the remakes. Yeah, like and he's uh, done a lot of indie, indie films. He's always good to, when he kind of pops oh, and up. What and happens that he, he repositions Josh Hartnett puts him somewhere else. <laughs> he gives him a job, basically. Like, Josh yeah. Hartnett loses his job as a taxi driver. and That's right. Um, through uh, Isabel, uh, Rada Mitchell's character, um, he gets a job, basically, which helps normify him. And what he would see as a normifying thing, and that's a big subtext of this film. Normalizing? Normalizing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, normifier, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I think that's a big thing through this film, is, is seeing how they come to to terms with the relationship and what it means to them and almost first and foremost to Josh Hartnett to the world it means a lot more normalcy for him um, which in some ways kind of puts his brain at peace and yeah I think he wants to have the essentials in place um, get along in life you know maybe not being normal but being uh, he probably does value that a little bit but being self-sufficient and Sure, you know, and full life. I'm not sure if we said, but one of his things is numbers. He sees numbers everywhere and in everything, and can become easily distracted from a, a countdown on a microwave um, to numbers on the radio or random conversations. So you see him fighting 
himself in some ways, fighting society, man versus self, man versus society, man versus man or woman in this case. Um, there's some interesting takes for what at first looks like it's going to be kind of a, a, a alternative rom-com, but it, it's yeah, definitely well, it, not it that. Is a, it is that. It, it is. It, but it's so it's, much more to it. Yeah, it has a great... You know, sort of '90s-ish soundtrack, like indie soundtrack. It's it's um it is a romantic comedy, but um you're right. Like it does a lot with the personalities and the conflict between, especially the two main characters, and um you know what what arises through that, and and you know how she sometimes has more of a of a faculty of a way of doing stuff in in her normal life can get along better than Josh Hartnett can. Um, you know, and, and can shut him out in, in certain ways, you know, and, and then, um, you know, she has to open the door back up to him, you know, for that to start back up. All right. Would you watch it again? I might watch it again, maybe, um, if it were, like, the only thing around. <laughs> Would you recommend it to a friend or colleague? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting to think about the differing um, perspectives from... Um, probably when it was made in 2005 and, and now in, in 2018, everyone knows that social perspectives are way different, you know, in that amount of time, um, you know, it, or just in, in our, in our current, um, atmosphere and, and, uh, nation and everything. Um, so, you know, I think it's amazing to look at, you know, how far we've come as far as like what, you know, I, I think the characters would be even more fleshed out now, you know, they did a good job of making, everybody interesting in the movie but i think that you know we'd have fully fleshed out characters that with more of their challenges exposed you know well you know and i think that this movie is uh, definitely a recommend and a watch again for me um you know I, i've seen it multiple times now so i probably won't race to see it uh, again tomorrow uh, but definitely recommend for those that haven't seen it because i think it's a good dialogue film um, it really has a different view on relationships, and it makes you think how similar you are to people that others would consider uh, a lot different. And in some ways, um, some of the things that they explore and they need uh, are universal to all of us. So I would definitely recommend Mozart and the Whale. That is It Came from our collection for this month. Final thoughts on Mozart. Christopher. So what's your favorite Josh Hartnett movie? Oh my God, that's a! Uh, I knew you were gonna ask me that. Um, it's re- that's really hard. I I like <laughs> uh, I like him for different reasons and different things. Um, Forty Days and Forty Nights comes to mind because he's a little bit older and kind of raunchy. Premise in that. Mm-hmm. I um, like that one. Yeah, that's like the one movie I like his performance in. You say that all the time. You like him more and more. Like every time you're like, oh, okay, he is good in that. Because like, I'll say H2O and you liked him in that, didn't you? No, I, I love the movie, but I don't. Okay. I don't, didn't remember he was in it until you told me. Oh, my God. That was kind of like the first, <laughs> uh, first time that I, I ever saw him on screen. And I was like, um, uh, okay, so if I had to choose... I would say probably my favorite Josh Hartnett movie. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with H2O because that's the first one I saw him in. Um, there's a lot of other great work, and I haven't really caught up with Penny Dreadful yet. I'm hoping that maybe we'll make that work 
and we'll we'll get into that series because it seems like we're always looking for a new series to get into. Well, I love H two O. I'm really excited that Jamie Lee Curtis is back. I don't care if they're breaking rules to bring her back. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Well, and <laughs> uh, for a new Halloween sequel is what I'm talking about, or a new reboot. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely talk more about the the new Halloween movie that's actually uh, they're in production right now. I'm not sure if they've wrapped shooting yet, but um, they started not. Not too long ago, so that's exciting. That's very exciting. All right, so that was that segment, and um, now I think it's time for us to introduce another segment where my husband talks about music because he's definitely the better mind of music in the uh, Pastewami uh, family. Um, so I'll turn it over to him for Chris's music segment. Chris I have always loved music, um, so I would love to start a conversation with anybody that is interested about um, what music you like to listen to and, um, you know, uh, what's good and what your opinions are. Um, And so I'll start with my opinion, of course, because I don't have anything to build off of. And so to get started, I actually um, have listened to a podcast recently that had the topic of John Williams and you know, his different film scores. So my question to you, Samuel, is uh, what is your favorite John Williams film score? Because oh. I know you would say uh, the Olympic theme uh, oh if you were to God. say your favorite Any, thing. Anything John Williams. I mean, it's so th- that's another question. That's the, damn, with the hard-hitting questions on our first <laughs> episode. Damn. Sorry. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is Star Wars. Like, to me, that's the big daddy. But you also, within the top five, I'm big on giving top fives. Um, you got E.T., Jurassic Park, uh, Close Encounters. Um, mm, yeah. All of the... He scored almost every Star Wars film except for Rogue One, I think. And the new installment, but he's coming back for, mm-hmm. you know... And how old is he? He's very old. He's, he's I just old. heard he was scoring films in the 50s. Yeah. 1956, something like that was his first movie. Yeah. (sighs) Well, and what gets me, I think, um, like, they they all hit me on different levels. Like, Jurassic Park, the score from that in some places is is wild, and then it has its softer moments. And uh, same same thing with Star Wars, but E.T., which is one of my favorite films of all time, Mm. there's something that's so sweeping and uplifting about that film. And I think if it was scored by anyone else, I don't know if it would be... Oh, my God. As... The score is such a big part of that. Oh, because, I mean, at the end, when you get the, the slow, just sort of... Dah, 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 at the end, when they're saying goodbye, that, that gets you. And that helps helps the tears flow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you feel... I, yeah. I think that's my favorite one, if, if you were to ask me that. Well, you know, that I that, again, that's... I. It's hard for me, as a huge Star Wars fan, to not yeah. say Star Wars. But mm. they both hit me on an emotional level, and I want to make sure Jurassic Park is in there too because there's points of that that are just wonderful. Star Wars is probably perfect, you know. So it, it just not being as connected to those movies as E.T. Right. Um, for me, I know that's not the case for you probably. But Well, and the thing is, I think in Star Wars in some case started a trend of more and more of the audience paying attention to the score and realizing... Uh, of course, everyone in the industry always had known the importance of score, but I think until you have some of those big scores of the 70s films, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jaws. We haven't even fucking talked Jaws, about Jaws. Yeah, that was... Yeah. What the fuck? One of the ones I mean, that was mentioned. <laughs> yeah. But each one, though, like um, Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that one was awesome, too. So, I mean, each one that played, you know, because they were, they were playing clips on this, on this show. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, okay, I'm only hearing a three-second clip, but this is my favorite now. You know, each one. <laughs> what was your favorite that you listened to? I think it was E.T. I mean, yeah. because I, I could... Um, I could picture what was happening when the uh, music was playing. I could, you know, remember it just so well. So nice. I think that was it. I mean, of course, I remember Star Wars very, very, very well. Uh, it, for me, it's it's a case of one of those things that's so mega popular that I kind of shy away from it. I, that's what it is with with Star Wars. Well, I'm a big Star Wars nerd, so I never shy away from talking about Star Wars. Usually, it's the other way around. It's the people that know that I like Star Wars go there when sometimes I wasn't going to, but they will for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of my family pretty much loves Star Wars anyway. Like my dad inspired it, and and you know really kind of encouraged us to to get involved with that when I was a kid. And now my sister, who didn't like it as much when we were growing up, I mean she liked it, but and she's gonna kill me if she listens to this and like I liked it, I liked it. Um, <laughs> she likes it a lot more because her girls got into it, and then it became their family's that part thing. Is fun, and and I will say that I love all of the new movies. There's nothing. There's not a new movie I don't love, and that's not even the case for my husband. So, um, <laughs> I do. I I I have to full disclosure. I'm still coming to grips with um, the Last Jedi, but the importance of it, I, I'm starting to realize more, and I'm looking forward to watching that again actually yeah um, me too and then seeing jj abrams bring it home so all right so side sidestep back to music john williams <laughs> yeah what, what's your favorite john williams score star wars yes and okay so that begs the question which movie the um a new hope a new hope yeah okay okay so sorry yeah star wars was enough then because that was the name of it okay Good deal. So to talk about, you know, what I've been listening to recently, usually I will get obsessed with an artist one at a time, usually. Um, This time it has been uh, a band called First Aid Kit. Uh, It's a band out of Sweden, uh, two sisters. Um, They're basically a folk duo. Uh, They both play guitar and sing beautifully. They have such soul to their voice you know, singing in, in English. I, I think they speak English just perfectly, but at the same time, I was surprised at some, you know, how American it sounded, um, you know, with uh, country influences, definitely rock influences. In fact, they have a cover of War Pigs that you can find on uh, YouTube. Uh, but most of it is going to be folk and also um, country influenced where their favorites are going to be, um, well, they have a song called Emmy Lou. Emmy Lou Harris um, is one of their their biggest influences. Um, and it's just such a sweet song. Our friend Kate recommended the song to me. It's, it's awesome. And um, so, okay, they've been around since 2010. I haven't you know, hadn't known anything about them. Uh, so I, I missed the boat because, I mean, they are amazing. Um, the new album is called uh, Ruins. It, was, it came out in 2018. And um, the biggest song from it or the, the single from it is It's a Shame. And it's, I don't know, it, it brings tears. It's about a, um, an, a relationship that, um, you know, it's about letting go of the relationship and sometimes not wanting to let go of it. And you know, just it 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 uh, rings true on 
you know, all levels as, as far as human relationships, not necessarily just a romantic one. I don't know. You have to check it out just to hear how soulful and how effective their harmonies are and, how, you know, how creative they are because it's not, you know, it's not just your old folk music. It's it's great. It's very exciting to listen to. Um, so that's uh, First Aid Kit, and, and the album is Ruins, the new album. But now, they've, are they've are got, they touring currently in the United States? You know what? I don't even know. That I, would be interesting. I They have been on TV. They, they were on Ellen, and it was really, really good. Um, I'm not sure about that. Uh, one thing I did leave out about them, um, they did have a song. Um, it was a couple years ago, maybe last year, actually, because it was part of the Me Too movement called You Are the Problem Here. Uh, it's about... Um, it was actually a reaction to a news story that they read um, about an American... Um, an American woman who was not getting justice from a sexual assault. Um, and it's awesome. I mean, it's explicit, but it's, it's really cool. And it, um, it's actually different from them. Um, so it's, if you want to listen to something angry, um, you now, are the problem here. <laughs> now, did they do that? Were they inspired to do that by the movement or did they, was it already out there and the movement adopted it as its own kind of song? Right. It, well, it was m- more the latter, but I think that the article they read was probably also sparked by the movement hmm. um, because the article wouldn't have been out, you know, if if um, the buzz hadn't been uh, building and and um, the I don't know the the urgency about um, getting justice for for um, for these crimes and these you know these real horrible things that people do to each other yeah um well so. i've heard that i've heard you listening to them because when you get excited about a new band then i get to hear it as well and <laughs> that's great because i don't necessarily seek out new material very much i could listen to just green day and uh, movie scores uh, soundtracks for the rest of my life and be perfectly content um <laughs> Or maybe the occasional yeah. "Everything's End" by Bush, um, but <laughs> well, we both love our '90s grunge and yeah, alternative. Okay, well, speaking of '90s-ish, um, I know in addition to First Aid Kit, you really wanted to talk about another band here on the segment today, so we got to make sure we have time to get them in. Sure, I feel yes, there is a band I'd like to talk about. Um, Who? I feel that there is Who? a. Mm, Who are they? Okay. Uh, Okay, I'll say the name of the band. It's going to cause some uh, some reactions, I believe. Um, it's Coldplay. Um, I think that um, before anyone freaks out, I think that there is a part of the conversation missing about Coldplay. Um, it, it's a big joke now. <laughs> if you're a Coldplay pl- fan, I don't know. If if I say, you know, picture a Coldplay fan, what would you picture? I don't know. I don't know if I could. I don't have a negative visualization of it. I know the media wants me to, much like they want me to hate uh, Guy Fieri, because that's their running line, their spiel yeah. right now. I don't. I'm not involved, so I don't hate on Coldplay. It's like good for them. They did a hell of a lot more than I've ever done. Uh-huh. So yeah, good on you. But you're no Green Day, and if you're no Green Day, then fuck you. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the stereotype is that if you're into Coldplay. You don't know good music, and you you know, kind of into pretentious stuff. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, something like that. And also, there's the joke. I think it's in like, "I love you, man," or, or I don't know, "40 year old virgin," something like that, where they where they say, "You know how I know you're gay? You listen to Coldplay." So what? Um, that was yeah. a thing. Yeah, well, it was a joke in the movie. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so 
Coldplay. Um, I agree that Coldplay is very boring. Um, we we um, have watched figure skaters le- recently where they told us uh, in the commentary that they have been skating to Coldplay their entire skating career. It was lame. Different Coldplay songs. And yes, it's boring. It's 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 kind of pretty, but it's it's, you know, it's lame. Um, and it, it was listening to the songs they, they picked. Now, um, I own two Coldplay albums. <laughs> I own uh, Parachutes, their, their um, debut album from 2000. And I own the one after that, A Rush of Blood to the Head. And um, now there's a reason why I don't own any after that one. Um, the only Coldplay album that is any good, I think, is uh, Parachutes from the year 2000. It has their song Yellow on it. And of course, um, I bought the album because I loved that song and uh, it sounded a little bit like Radiohead to me, but it was Radiohead that you didn't have to think about. <laughs> and so it was it was great. And Radiohead that you don't have to think about? Oh my like, gosh, Radiohead, yes. Um, lots of times Radiohead's what, that, music is challenging. Right, well, to me, that's what makes it that much more because there's so much more there to it. Oh, of course. Uh, Radiohead is a much, much, much better band than, than Coldplay. Um, are they still playing? Are they still... Radiohead? No, no, no. Um, Coldplay. Oh, Coldplay, yes. Coldplay is insanely popular. Um, mm. They're going to be at the State Fair or something like that? Some uh, no, oh, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that they would... Yeah, Some they would State Fair somewhere, I'm sure. But uh, I guess, you know, different people are playing different things now because no one's making any money. <laughs> but let's see. So... Yes, they're all still alive. They're still alive. They're still playing. Um, Putting you know, out new albums? Let's see. The, the lead singer was married to Gwyneth Paltrow, oh. and I think they got divorced. When, when was their last album? This year, I think. Really? Well, maybe 2017, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so, yeah. I mean, they're still around, um, and I have stopped paying attention to them a long time ago. Um, Parachutes um, has, you know, from the first lines, um, you know, I'm hooked. It says... Uh, the first line is bones sinking like stones. And from there, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm there. And, uh, you know, all the way through to the end where it's uh, the song Everything's Not Lost. Um, you know, I think it's going to be over. And then this beautiful song comes on. Um, you know, and that's the thing. The album is, it, it rocks sometimes, not very often. I'd say maybe like three songs really get you know, up tempo at all, but uh, you know the rest of it is beautiful, and it and it sounds like you know a good alternative rock album that just decided to be a little quieter, and I love it. Um, mm. I always have. I listen to the whole thing all the way through, you know, most of the time when I when I listen to it. Um, but yeah, then then you get to their second album, and they have the song Clocks that a lot of people know, um, and that's memorable. But you know. Other than that, boring. I think. I think that whole album is boring. I don't. I don't get it, and I haven't gotten them <laughs> since. That like there was something there, and so all these people that are expressing frustration with Coldplay mm-hmm. may have liked their first album, but um, then it got a little bit mm, off the rails, or you know, too too dreamy, too um, you know, radio friendly from there. If if you enjoy their music, you know, let them do what they're gonna do, and try what they're going to try sometimes they'll fail sometimes they'll succeed but like to to be overly you know dogged like now in the medium no joking it's like the go-to joke for late night hosts or whatever right um and the thing is most people will be like oh i know a few of their songs but i don't think they're that bad sure but i mean uh, the fact is you know in, in its opinion i don't have any authority on what people sure. will buy obviously Pe- right people but are, opinion matters you know? but so 
my opinion is that there was something there in the first album that mm-hmm. completely left after that album. And do you think that was because they got big and they and didn't not have time? artistically or anything. It's just maybe they didn't have the time. The feeling behind it wasn't there. I huh. thought maybe because they were so um, distracted with all the other stuff that was going on around them, like becoming famous and all the trappings of that. That's not yeah, not hard to imagine. Hmm. Um, yeah, with crazy Gwyneth Paltrow in the picture. Hmm. Well, that's pretty good. Is that all we got on the music segment for this month? Is it? Yeah, I guess so. Is I mean, there anything that else that you wanted to talk about? or No. Because, uh, no joke, Chris does kind of do the music for the Pastewami household. Like, even in the car and stuff, um, he'll put on some music or pick something for, whether it's a trip down to the supermarket or down to, you know, visit someone in another state. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> I he's do ask to taste. take control of the music quite a bit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And because he's always gracious of uh, doing requests, um, which, you know, usually <laughs> is, you know, chope on the rind and <laughs> whatever else. <laughs> Everything's Zen. Everything's Zen by Bush. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it's good. Uh, that was a good first thing. I talked about a couple different things and including Coldplay. So now we can put that in our uh, information tag in uh, the thing and hopefully get a whole bunch of Coldplay fans that are like, yeah, he's right, I love Coldplay. No, you're not supposed to like Coldplay unless they're going to go back to doing what they did before. Okay, so you have the respect for the early thing. You're hoping that they'll get, you, you'll, they'll get better? Yeah, I don't really have much hope. No? I'm not checking out their new albums. Oh. I, I, I looked at the uh, Spotify list of the albums, and there were three that I didn't even know existed. Hmm. <laughs> I know that's really old, old and curmudgeon of me. Sorry. No, no, I think sometimes they just everything happens so fast, and you, you know, life happens. Like you know, Weezer puts out put out a shit ton of albums. I love them, but I can't name all of their albums because they've been very prolific about hmm. releasing new albums. I'm sure they've done the Blue Album since Pinkerton. the Blue Album. They've probably done ten albums. The Green the, Album was the Green Album third. Oh, I don't know. Eh, sorry. I don't know. That's why it's listed <laughs> somewhere because my memory is not. As good as it should be, especially on music stuff. Movie stuff, maybe. Maybe, but definitely not music. That's your department, and uh, that's why you do the music segment. Well, that is almost it for the month here, kiddos. Um, That is almost it for our first show. What do you think, Chris? That's cool. Um, I I like doing it. I think it's fun. So I I hope that, you know, someone will listen to it. Um, But Mm. if not, it's still fun. So I, I have liked it. You know what? This is um, hopefully a conversation with anyone out there that wants to listen or in the very least a conversation with ourselves about what's going on in the world around us. And, you know, sometimes there's something to be said about just, you know, saying it and then putting it out there and having people listen to it and and add to that conversation. Or, again, getting your views out. If, if no one else in the world listens to this, I'm happy um, because we still give a damn no matter how many people are listening and we're going and we want your input too so hopefully you know someday that involves you know the the podcast will have that as part of it um emails maybe or um or just asking for your input on the next episode that kind of thing we would but, love to do that yep so for now just check out the information where you're listening to this podcast on how to get a hold of us look for chris and sam give a damn and we'll be coming out to you real soon with another episode until then i'm sam I'm Chris. 
and we give, give a, a damn. 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 Yeah. See you next month. We're married. Yes. <laughs>